Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Ava, can you give me a thumbs up or not? Can you hear me? You can hear. Okay. Yeah. Yay. Well, you guys look amazing in all your red and white. As you can see, this is the closest thing to red and white that I have. It's kind of maroon and white. I don't think I own anything red. <laughs> but I did my best. So uh, anyhow, but you guys all look amazing. You all look beautiful. And, uh, and I'm so, so, so excited to be here to share with you today. So anyway, let me just pray really quick. I know we've prayed a lot so far, but just one more time. <clears throat> Father, just thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for who we are to you. Thank you for your amazing love and the most extraordinary way of demonstrating it such that we could be both overwhelmed and never forget the depth of your love for us. Lord, even now as we're focusing on this specific day, on Incarnation Day, <clears throat> even though the story's familiar, Lord, I pray that even as I was over uh, listening to the prayer time before we started today, Lord, that we would experience something fresh and something new from you. In the midst of a familiar story, Lord, let something be fresh. Let something be new. Lord, we pray that you would touch our hearts and our minds and just set us up for uh, Friday, Lord, for what we really want to celebrate on that specific day, Christmas Day, Incarnation Day. So help me, Lord. Help me to share what's on your heart well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of the message today is Incarnation Day, colon, The Wonder and the Why of Christmas. Incarnation Day, The Wonder and the Why of Christmas, which you'll see here on the slide that I actually changed it to Emmanuel Day, and I want to show you why, and uh We'll pick that up. But originally, it's always been Incarnation Day, even for me, for years and years, until this morning as I was finishing up putting the talk together. Um, I was really impressed to think about maybe it actually really should be called Emmanuel Day. And I'll help you understand why that is. But especially, it's the wonder and the why of Christmas. You know, I'm sure it's true for you as well as for me that we will see all around in our neighborhoods in various places decorations of one sort or another that are supposed to be um, ways of celebrating Christmas. Well, I don't know about you, but I just I'm just so saddened in, in and especially this year where. I walk, I try to walk every day, a combination of walking and running. And there's this particular area that I do it most of the time now that's three miles in this uh, suburban neighborhood. And I was paying attention because of preparing for this talk to the decorations. And over the course of 40 minutes, 
over the course of three miles, not seeing a single decoration that had anything to do with Jesus. Now, I don't know if that's true where you're at in your setting, but this has been something that's been going on over time. But just recognizing that this particular time as I'm walking through this neighborhood, not one, not one decoration. Somebody sent me this little cartoon recently where it was a picture of uh, the, the manger scene, you know, the whether it was a barn or whatever it was. And you've got Mary and Joseph and you've got the manger and you've got the baby in the manger and you've got the animals and there's a cow and a donkey. And the cow looks to the donkey and says, yo, dude, somebody put a baby in the salad. And I thought, that's pretty clever. <laughs> yo, dude, somebody put a baby in the salad. It's all about perspective, isn't it? That for them, it was like, what's this baby doing in our salad? Well, and that they would probably thinking, how do we get the baby out of the salad? And I just couldn't help but thinking about Christmas in the 21st century in 2020, how much people have tried to take the baby out of the salad, trying to take the baby out of Christmas. As though somehow the baby in the salad, the baby of Christmas would be an intrusion or something unwanted. But it's really happened. Instead of Christmas being about wonder, it's been replaced by sentimentality, right? They refer to Christmas now as happy holidays. They refer to the spirit of Christmas as being warm or kind or giving, but without any mention of the reason for the season. It's really difficult. You know, one of the few things of salvation I feel um, in terms of our culture, in 21st century culture, <laughs> is at least we still have what are quote unquote called Christmas songs. You know, listening again, meditating on the lyrics of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's the Incarnation Day Christmas song, right? Um, where they talked about, you know, that the the... Uh, now I can't think of the, the the line all of a sudden, but the incarnate deity, you know, is in that that song. It tells that it's about Incarnation Day. And every now and then you kind of hope that maybe over the radio or somewhere, somebody's going to hear one of our more Christian Christmas carols and hear the message. Thank God for some of those songs that tell the story. There's still a possibility that we might even have conversations with friends or family because of the song to talk about what are those lyrics even mean to you? Do you even understand what they're talking about? The purpose of the celebration, it's supposed to be about celebrating wonder and awe and mystery of what God did, not just sentimentality. It's not just happy holidays. Well, anyway, Christmas as well as Easter, I think uh, uh, Ava may have said something to you about this, but over my years as being pastor of the church, there just came a time, and I don't know if it was actually this reason, but, you know, in the Jewish holidays, the, the fall festivals, and then in the spring you have Passover, 
they call it Passover, and the name actually has something to do with the purpose of the holiday, right? It's about this event where the angel of death passed over the Israelites. It's about the angel of death passing over where there was a, the, the blood of a lamb on their doorpost. It remembers their exodus out of Egypt. The, the name means something. And I remember at some point I started getting so exasperated with us calling um, uh, this, this great day of Jesus's resurrection. We were calling it Easter. And you realize that Easter is even just from a pagan idea. And so I started saying, church, from now on, in this church, we're going to call it Resurrection Day. In the same way Passover has meaning and the title of the day has meaning, I said, from this time forward, we're going to call it Resurrection Day. Well, then it caused me to start thinking about the other day that we celebrate in Christianity, and that's Christmas. Well, even that. I eventually changed it to Incarnation Day. But then today I thought, hmm, I might even do change that and call it Emmanuel Day, primarily because that's based on an explicit text and a, and a word, a Hebrew word that has meaning, God with us. Now, for a lot of Christians, the only two days that we celebrate are Incarnation Day and Resurrection Day. Some traditions celebrate a third day, mostly liturgical traditions that we call um, Pentecost. Well, that one I changed to Invasion Day. That was when God sent his spirit into the earth that what God began with Jesus, the mission, the revealing of who God is, telling the message of his love. What began with one, God sent his spirit to multiply his people by the thousands and the millions to continue that message into the world and to take back for God what belongs to him, people, people whom he loves and longs for. And then sometime last year, actually, I was talking about this and we were talking about the fact that Advent, right, means coming. And that at the end of Advent, we often want to remember there's also this promise of this second coming well, after I talked about the three days, Incarnation Day, Resurrection Day, Invasion Day, somebody raised their hand and said, Mark, maybe we should have a fourth day that we long for, Consummation Day, or Fulfillment Day, or Completion Day. But the second coming is the day of days when everything that we've longed for that was prophesied in Isaiah was foretold by Jesus is that one day all of this is coming to conclusion. All of this is going to be new heavens, new earth, new people, no longer the sun and moon, no more sickness and death. We long for that fourth day, the day that will go on, not just for a day, a week, but into eternity. You know what's really amazing about those days? Incarnation Day, Resurrection Day, Invasion Day, and then ultimately Consummation Day or Fulfillment Day, Completion Day, whatever you want to call it, is that those three days, those three words are actually the saving transformational work of our triune God. That's the other part of it is that 
All three days matter. All three days need to be celebrated. All three days need to be kept in mind. You've probably heard many times this particular sentence of Paul be used as a benediction. Where he says, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Do you realize that that's Paul saying is that it's the three persons of the Trinity who are all involved together and yet separately around those specific days. Incarnation Day is the, is the work of the love of God. For God so loved the world. But when the love and kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his love, because of his mercy. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is the cross and the resurrection and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the one who was sent to indwell us. I even wondered about changing Invasion Day to Indwelling Day. Maybe it's a both and, right? But nonetheless, it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we celebrate. It has the power to forgive us, the power to change us, and the power to help us continue the mission of Jesus. I think the names matter. And they remind us of the saving work of the triune God. And I think all three of them need to be celebrated. And at the end of Advent, we would long for Consummation Day. Well, anyway, as I just mentioned, we're in this season of Advent, right? Coming where we generally use these five candles to think about the special elements of Advent, the special elements, the things around, the special things that happen around and up to Incarnation Day. <clears throat> I understand that, Ava, different traditions um, title those candles in different ways. And some use um, emotion words, that the first candle is hope, the second would be joy, the third hope, the one we're looking at today would be love. In our church, in our tradition, we called them, um, again, we gave them titles of uh, around specific nouns. So the first candle for us was prophecy candle. And again, as I said, the wonder and the why of Christmas is that around Advent and these special elements are the reminder of the wonders that led up to Incarnation Day. And the first wonder is that with our living God, he prophesies. Remember in Isaiah, how many times he says, your God's made of wood or stone. They don't hear, they don't see, they don't speak, they don't know. What other God tells you what's coming and then it does. The first part, the first candle in our tradition was that God prophesied and it was fulfilled prophecy that we celebrate and what was one of the main prophecies the second candle was Bethlehem candle that there was a prophecy said that the king the messiah the Davidic king would be born in the town of Bethlehem right and then the magi come and say let us worship we come to worship the king of the Jews Jesus came to be that king in that song messiah that we listen to 
Then we used the third candle. We called it the shepherd candle, mostly because it was the announcement. It was the message of the angels, a message about peace and joy that would be for all people. The fourth candle, though, we called the angel candle. And mostly it was centered around the supernatural elements of this entire season, this Advent season, these particular things. Every last bit of it is supernatural. Again, it just that's why it's so hard when the world, they exchanged wonder for sentimentality. They changed mystery, miracle for for Santa Claus, for a reindeer, for happy holidays. It's like, oh, you guys. <laughs> this day is so, so, so amazing. And what matters most is that it wasn't just the birth of a baby. There were millions of babies born on that day. It's the miraculous nature of this baby who is fulfilling prophecy, being born in Bethlehem, being born a king. Yes. But most of all, that he was the fulfillment of the Isaiah passage, Isaiah 7.10, where he said, Therefore the Lord himself said, He will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which in Matthew's gospel, after Matthew quotes this verse out of Isaiah, he says, which means God with us. See, that's what our, our incarnation actually means. It's not a very normal word, and that's why I was wondering if, well, I guess even Emmanuel is not a normal word, but it's a little bit more familiar to our, our Christian ears. But incarnation literally means embodied in flesh or taking on flesh. It refers to the material manifestation of something or someone that was immaterial. The incarnation is that, as John said, the word who was with God and was God, the word, John 1, 1, the word is Jesus. The word was God. The word was with God. The word is God. But verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the definition of incarnation. But it's also the reality of Emmanuel. And, you know, even just this morning, I, I just can't believe I, I probably preached some kind of sermon like this for close to 17 years and, and other times since then. But. I actually went back to Isaiah chapter 7 this morning just to hang out, got up early, hanging out with the Lord. And I don't know if I ever quite really paid attention to the context where in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah comes to speak to Ahaz, who's the son of Uzziah, who's the king of Judah. And remember, Israel was divided into two kingdoms, two tribes. Um, was Judah and, and the tribe of Benjamin, and then the other ten tribes were called Israel. Well, here in this context, there are two kings that have come to lay siege on Jerusalem. And the, everyone's terrified, and Ahaz, 
who is presently king of Judah, king of Jerusalem, he's totally freaking out, and all the people are freaking out. Well, then, as God is going to tell and 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 tell them through Isaiah, tell Ahaz that you think this is bad, there's going to come even a worse thing called the kingdom of Assyria. But right in the middle of it, here's the thing is that just it so struck me today where. Isaiah 7, verse 10, it says, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, who was the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah. The Lord spoke to Ahaz and says, Ask me, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the depths or in the highest heights. And Ahaz says, Well, oh, no, 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 I, I, I can't ask. I won't put you to the test, Lord. And then Isaiah said this, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? And then comes this statement. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. It's like you miss it. It's almost like the baby in the salad. I don't think anybody really caught that sentence. We're right in the midst of this, of God telling him, you think things are bad. I know these two kings are coming against you, but Assyria is going to come because that's how he ends. He says, the Lord will bring on you and your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah, he will bring the king of Assyria. I mean, they would be all focused on this is bad, but it's going to get worse. And right in the middle, you got this crazy statement. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Hello? How weird is that? Virgin, give birth. Anybody ever go like oxymoron? That, that doesn't work like that. And yet we sing it. We hear the songs all the time. We hear this verse. Every Christmas, the virgin will give birth. What do you mean the virgin will give birth? How is that even possible? That That's not how birthing, how babies are made and birthed. And you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Well, as sure as I'm standing here, remember in Luke 24, when Jesus appears to the disciples with the two guys on the road to Emmaus and then the rest of them. Remember, it says that he opened up the word to them and he showed them through the Psalms, the prophets and the law how he was the fulfillment of all these different passages, tucked away in this difficult prophecy about what was going to happen presently to them, is this unbelievable, miraculous, mysterious prophecy that a virgin would give birth to a son, and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know that anybody was sitting around wondering, waiting, hoping, even having any clue what that would mean. And yet Matthew's gospel, where Matthew's whole gospel is, 
this was uh, this happened in order to fulfill this happened in order to fulfill this happened in order to fulfill this is one of those first passages where he says and this was in order to fulfill and then he quotes this passage but then adds Emmanuel means God with us this is why we celebrate this is why it needs to be titled Correctly, it's Emmanuel Day. It's Incarnation Day. Christmas now is just, I mean, a lot of people say, well, let's put Christ back into Christmas. But even that, Christ means anointed one. Christ means Messiah. And that's true. But it wasn't just the birth of, of a man. What happened on that day was that God caused a virgin to be conceived. And somehow God took on human flesh, and Jesus was born fully God and fully man. And I, I can't totally prove this, but I'm convinced as much as anything why Jesus had to be fully God was that if he were only a man, a man could die for another man. One human being could die in place of another human being. But no human being could die for all the human beings in the world. Only God could do that. And I'm convinced, or I think anyway, why that's a, um, maybe, maybe perhaps the most important reason that he's fully God, because he's also fully God, and the scriptures tell us so plainly and clearly that everything he did he did it in the power of the Spirit, not out of his divinity. Otherwise, he didn't live a fully and true human life. The life that he's calling us to live in the power of the Spirit. This is what empowers us, gives us hope that we can walk in the way Jesus walked. Is because he walked in the power of the Spirit and the love of the Father. But nonetheless, again, the point, the wonder, the wonder of this day <clears throat> is not just that a baby was born, not just that it was the fulfillment of prophecy, not just that he was the prophesied king. It was the fulfillment especially of this passage, that a virgin would give birth to a son, and God, Emmanuel, would be with us, among us. Not like in the old, the Exodus with the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, but he was going to become a human being and dwell among us and eventually die for us. No one had ever seen God, but so that we could see who God is really like in a form that we could know and understand. See God up close and personal. This is the wonder. This is the wonder of the day. And all of it's filled with wonder and miracle. Angels, visions, prophecy. All of this is filled with wonder. It's not a day of sentimentality. Happy holidays. It's not a day just that maybe we'll show a little kindness or giving. Which I'm glad those things happen. It's just so much more. This is what God did. The second part of the title, it's the wonder and the why of Christmas. See, the fifth candle, the one we would always do on 
Christmas Eve service, we called the Jesus Candle. Because the angel also told Joseph to name the boy Jesus, which means the Lord saves. This is, in fact, what Jesus did among as well as revealing God to us. Helping us to see that God was real, that he was alive, who he was like, how he cared. But the why. The why in Incarnation Day is the love of God. Is the love of God. Again, that's 2 Corinthians 13, verses 13 and 14, or chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Behind incarnation is the why. Why did God do this? Why did one of the persons of the Trinity surrender? He did not consider equality something to be held on to, used for his own advantage. But he emptied himself, taking on the very nature of a servant. And being found in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why? Why would God do this? His love. His extraordinary love. We all know that passage, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Another wonderful one is 1 John 4, 10. He says, this is love, not that we love God but that he loved us. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Well, over the last little while, several of you have, have participated in the First Love Weekend and you got to go through the measuring stick teaching. And <clears throat> one of the things that, that I refer to is, is love as value. And the more that I've had time to think about that, I've really come to, to, to believe that love actually begins as an idea or a thought in our minds, specifically a thought about value, which then, depending on the degree of value that we give it, it triggers an emotion, whether it's affection or disdain deep affection or maybe even hate or dislike. And then ultimately, the only way that we can ever know that someone values us and the emotion they feel toward us is they have to demonstrate it, which generally has to come through words and actions. And it can be things that are said, things that are done, things that are given. But as I start to think about this idea of value, that it begins with value, we're actually thinking of, of entitling uh, the video Yard Sale, right? Yard Sale. I don't know how many of you, uh, even here in the United States, we refer to it as a tag sale in some parts of the country. Some call it yard sales. Some call it garage sales. But hopefully you understand the idea, right, that we put stuff out on our lawn or in our garage and we put a value on it and then we hope somebody else will actually see value in it and want to buy it. Well, at one point I heard somebody refer to this, one man's trash becomes another man's treasure. 
trash and treasure. And you realize again, it's almost like the perspective that there's a baby in the salad <laughs> is that is that in these of selling or trading, nothing in and of itself has a, a, a value just because it is. Somebody gives it value and it begins with a thought. It begins with an idea. And it's some, for whatever reason, whether it's rational or irrational, we put value on something or not. And so the thing is, is you watch that something that was once treasured now becomes trash. One person's treasure becomes another person's trash. Sadly, even in our own lives, at times we felt treasured by someone and then we felt trashed by them. We felt their affection or we felt their disdain. We felt um, treasured and held on to or we experienced rejection. We felt, you know, the, the primary action, I think, of things that we really value is that we tend to care for them more. We, we protect them. We guard them. Or we reject them. We cast them aside. We don't care what happens to them. Well, as I really was just meditating on this again about the love of God, the love of God. We're so familiar with hearing that phrase, for God so loved, for God so loved. But if you stick that word value in it, this is how we know that God valued us. When we weren't valuing him, he valued us so much so that he sent his only son. Sent his only son. You know, you think of even the three uh, parables about lost things. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Do you realize, and, and one of the things about value, this is the other thing too, that even in first love and we're doing the measuring stick teaching, remember that value seems to kind of automatically go up for things that belong to you, things that you own. So again, I, I have fun joking about when uh, the shepherd, you know, he's got a hundred sheep and he loses one and he says, we got to find it, you know, come help me, come help me. We got to find the sheep. And I want to go, dude, you still have 99 and half of them are pregnant. Forget about it. You know, forget about it. And this guy's like, no, that sheep has a name. I helped it give birth. I carried it on my shoulders. It has a unique personality. It matters to me. Help me find it. And then it comes to the lost son, right? The father's out there waiting, longing, searching, looking, hoping for the day when his son will come home. And then he runs to him filled with compassion, throws his arms around him and reminds him of who he is to him. And, of course, when he doesn't believe he deserves it, he expects to be trashed by his father, which, in fact, he gets trashed by his older brother. But, no, the father reminds him that you're treasured. You're my son and gives him the emblems of being treasured, of sonship, the robe, the ring, the sandals. When something belongs to us, we tend to value it more. We tend to care for it more. The bottom line is, though, about value is that, and what's so important today is the why, is that 
love or value isn't based on us just because of us. There's this pet verse in Deuteronomy 7, 6, where he says of Israel, he says, of all the nations of the earth, you're my treasured possession. Which they could go, Woo, we're treasured. We must be really something special. We must be great. We must be all that. To which God, a little bit further down, says, and don't think that you're treasured for anything about you. The truth is, you're stiff-necked. You're rebellious. You're a small, insignificant people. You're nobody. So don't think you have value to me. <laughs> I call you treasured. Has anything to do with you? It comes from my heart. Ephesians says it best. My will and my pleasure. For whatever reason in the mind and heart and thought of God that he would look at us and say out of my will, out of my pleasure, I choose you. And then you have this amazing moment in Deuteronomy 10, 14 and 15 where he says to me, God, Belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Yet I have set my affection on you. I chose you, and I love you. Again, <laughs> all you have to do is watch kids, and especially when my girls became teenagers. The way they had lots of clothes... But there was absolutely a particular uh, piece of clothing or maybe one or two that were treasured. And it was like, don't you touch. Stay away from. You don't do this without permission. You knew what was the treasured possession. And there really was no explanation for it, you know, but whatever, just because they loved it. They liked it. That's the point, whether it's rational or irrational or just not logical. Sometimes we just like things because we just do. But nonetheless, it begins with this thought or this idea. And here God says, look, all these things belong to me, the earth and everything in it. But I set my affection on it. I use the word treasured for you. And you know, the most beautiful thing is that there's never a moment when one day God's going to put you out in a yard sale, that at one point God's going to go, you know, I'm done with you. You're used up. You're a mess. You're no longer special to me. And that we would become trash. And isn't it unbelievably, amazingly wonderful that God says that I do not change my mind, and I do not change. That once God says this, has determined this in his mind, nothing you can do to ever move you from being treasured to trash, to ever move you from being someone he would care for, protect, and guard, to someone he might reject, someone he might put out. Nothing can change your status. Nothing can change your value. And as I said, then, we care for something, right? Once we value it, we find this emotion that gets triggered called affection. But then it's expressed in words like treasured, 
precious and honored, but it also gets expressed in action. And of course, we know this, for God so loved, he gave his one and only son, or again, 1 John 4.10, that um, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as the atoning sacrifice. This we know. But I want to finish this last idea about the value, the affection, and then the action was actually something the Lord did in my heart some time ago when I was memorizing Romans 8, 31 and following, when Paul writes and says, so what should we say then about all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? And I remember I was sitting thinking about the word spare as I was trying to memorize. So I was working on internalizing the word spare. And as I was thinking about it and memorizing it, I thought, spare, spare, what's spare mean to me? And I mostly thought about like spare items, spare tire, you know, well, I've got a few extras, a few spares, right, that I can share with you or give. And I thought, well, that doesn't seem to really be at all the idea. And then two phrases, whether I'd heard them in a story or in a movie or somewhere, were these two phrases that came to mind. Wow, you didn't, you spared no cost for this party, right? You didn't spare a thing. You were like all in, man, this is incredible. And then the other one is when somebody, um, is threatening to take a child or something. You hear the parents say, you know, take me, just spare my child. Just spare my child. Just don't take, don't do anything to them. Spare my child. So this idea that he didn't spare anything and he didn't even spare his own child. You know, talk about value, talk about affection is that God said that I didn't even say to the enemy, well, just do, you can have anything, just don't take my son. No, God didn't spare any expense. He gave everything. How will he not also, along with him, not graciously give us all things? God did not spare. That's the kind of action. That's the kind of action. So as we talk about this day, Incarnation Day, which is really not, this is Incarnation Sunday in some calendars, but I'm I'm talking about renaming Christmas Day to Incarnation Day, to Emmanuel Day, the day that God became a human being. And why did he do this? It was out of his love, the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, a love that so valued us, which then had such affection for us, that was willing to do these kinds of things for us. The wonder and the why of Christmas, Incarnation Day, Emmanuel Day, 
the day that God revealed to us just how treasured we are, just how valued we are, just the depth of his affection for us. An affection that will never go away, never change, because he cannot lie, he cannot change. And you know what? In the end, this love is what God hoped would win our hearts over. That we would come into relationship with him, be reconciled to him, love him, follow him, serve him back, be a part of what he's doing. It's a love like this that Nepal finally says, so what or who will ever separate me from this love? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? He says, no, as it is written, for his sake, we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. He says, no, we are more than conquerors through him who loves me. Therefore, he says, I'm convinced of this. That neither life nor death, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth will ever be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You guys, this kind of love makes God our treasured possession. That we would do anything for him, go anywhere for him. And no matter what we suffer, that the enemy would try to to cause us to discard him, to doubt him, to become disloyal to him, to abandon him. Paul says, I don't care what the devil throws at me, what life throws at me. This love, this love owns my heart. This love owns my affection. This love owns my loyalty. I don't care what he does. Nothing, nothing, nothing can ever separate me from that love. Friends, this is why we give our all. We give our all in return. Incarnation Day, Emmanuel Day, the wonder and the why of Christmas. So Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Father, when all around us we're just being bombarded with a different message, a message of sentimentality instead of celebration, of wonder, of miracle, of mystery, of you coming into our broken world for us to save us and show us how much we mean to you, how valued we are to you, what you would do to get us to belong to you. Lord, we lift up our families. We lift up our friends. Father, in the remaining days, it's possible where they'll hear the carols. Maybe that will be a, a, a starting place for conversation. But Lord, we recognize that somehow, some way, right now, the world, we need ways for you to open doors, open conversations, to be able to share and talk with them about the real meaning of this day, the wonder and the why of this day. But once again, Lord, we pray that you would just help us to just be moved, so deeply moved by the wonder of what you did and why you did it. That you valued us so much, which triggered a, 
an incredible affection and was revealed through mind-bending, sacrificial action. And in turn, Lord, may we value you, have our hearts devoted to you, and in turn, surrender our lives to continue that mission. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.